show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show with Dr. D. Broadcasting from the HJL Hospitality and Evolved Studios in LA, Santa Barbara, AM 1290 KZSB and FM 96.9 Santa Barbara or somewhere from the road. He's opened and fixed more than 200 restaurants, bars, nightclubs, hotels, and neighborhood joints around the globe. He's an industry driver, an author, and a columnist. He's a restaurateur with legendary rock star Mick Fleetwood on Fleetwood's On Front Street in Lahaina, Maui. And he's your radio host. And now, back from a race around the sun, Jeremiah Higgins. Good morning. It's Jeremiah's Morning Show featuring me, Jeremiah, and Mariel Hemingway, Melissa Yamaguchi, TV's Tim Stack, and Mike Gormley. Strap in. Here we go. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. Very special guest today, Michael Frondelli joins me. Music producer, a mixer, engineer. He does film and TV post work, and he's a consultant as well for your uh, your venue for great concerts like he just finished at the Greek Theater. Um, Light of the Blues, six, for Autism Speaks. Michael Frondelli is my guest this hour. I'm so happy to have him. Uh, Michael, you've been involved in the sound production of some of the world's best albums of all time, and you've helped shape the careers of a dozen, uh, I'd say dozens of our favorite music icons. And when I say gratitude, what is it that you think of in terms of your career? I'm someone who's very fortunate and had a lot of opportunities. I had a lot of mentors that supported me along the way. Um, I fell backwards into so many opportunities in New York City back in the uh, early 70s. Uh, I had no idea that it was going to be that interesting, but I was driven by music uh, since I was a kid. I mean, I saw Elvis Presley on uh, Ed Sullivan's show. And I got bitten by the music bug and then saw the Beatles in 64 and I was just driven. And um, somehow I fell backwards into all of this, walked in the right place at the right time. 
uh, had the right work ethic um, and was personable with and good with people. That was the whole thing. Um, you can have all the greatest skills in the world, but if you can't deal with people, you can't get anywhere. It's just really too difficult. Um, but I got along with artists. I got along with technicians. I got along with business people. Um, my background in college was business. And uh, I was playing in bands all through high school and college. I played guitar and I sang. So it was, it was comfortable for me in getting involved in a studio uh, operation in Midtown Manhattan in the, mid, in the early 70s, actually, in the Ed Sullivan Theater Building at Broadway Recording. And um, I took off from there. Um, yeah. The, the, what, and what a, what a takeoff, what a rocket launch there. The, you know, the early days of Michael Frondelli, pretty interesting there. It's not the typical, uh, it doesn't happen very often, does it, Michael, the, the career that you've had, the, the opportunities, what do you attribute that to? How did that, it was it being good with people that was, a that probably opened a lot of doors and, and got you further down the line or, or did you have a plan? And, and tell us about those early days in Queens, uh, where you worked, your first job. Well, I started out in garage bands and uh, I had a really, really good friend who, who was the first hippie I met, uh, but he was a genius musician. He still is. His name is Mark Duke. And um, Mark went to, uh, he was at Performing Arts High School and Juilliard. At the same time, we were the same age. We were about 16. And I was in parochial school and he was going to Juilliard and performing arts. Um, he was a brilliant pianist. He could play the entire solo to light my fire. I mean, he was just, just genius at it. And we became good friends. Uh, we were both misfits in the world of living in a, a greaser neighborhood in Queens. Um, I grew up all these guys that had hot rod cars and, and uh, slick back DAs with the lucky cigarettes and a t-shirt. And, um, you know, they would sing and doo-wop on corners. Um, and he was listening to Spirit and the Buffalo Springfield, uh, the Jefferson Airplane, uh, Ars Nova, really progressive stuff way back when. And I was fascinated with it. And I was learning guitar, learning jazz guitar at the time. And he and I would sit down and woodshed songs and form bands. And every weekend we were in some church somewhere practicing uh, in a basement. And uh, we had a band modeled after the Jefferson Airplane. It was a cover band. Uh, we had a female singer. And were you guys good? Strings. We were okay. You know, we played a lot of gigs. Uh, and we were involved with a community of musicians uh, that were phenomenal at the time. They were doing Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, they were taking little tours. Not sanctioned tours by by the companies but they were going off on their own and learning the entire repertoire so we would be a, an opening band or tagging along with them so we did a lot of a lot of performances at that time uh you know psychedelics were big and weed was big and 
everybody was getting high and having a good time and it was all crazy and playing music yeah it, it was fun and i never really took it took the technical side too seriously at that point but i knew you had to make noise i mean we were all into guitars and amps and and pa systems and microphones and figuring out how to do it better than somebody else mm. we would do battle of the bands contests at the coliseum in new york um all kinds of strange stuff that was going on at the time but music music was really really rich at that particular point i mean what a rich time in in the charts everybody was in it i mean there were no color boundaries uh there were no marketing segments where it was R&B or, or, you know, I mean, hip hop wasn't even thought of at that point, not mm -hmm. until the early 70s or mid 70s. But we were just having a good time and uh, mostly into the West Coast stuff. We were big on San Francisco. And um, in the early 70s, I made a trip out to San Francisco with a friend of mine who had a base that was built by the same people who built a base for Jack Cassidy and Phil Lesh. They're a company called Alembic. And there was a guy out there named Rick Turner who only passed away last year. It was a dear friend, uh, an amazing luthier. Technical genius came out of uh, Rhode Island School of Design. I mean, his ambition was to be a shipbuilder, but he bound up making all these beautiful instruments for David Crosby and Phil Lesh and, and Jack Cassidy. So, for me, it was just an adventure going out to San Francisco and all these uh, amazing wizards. Uh, part of Owsley was a big part of it. Gus the Stanley Owsley III, Bear from the Grateful Dead, and he was a big supporter with the Wall of Sounds. So I was following all these technical geniuses who were doing things with, you know, guitars with preamps in it, basses with preamps in it. One of the first, it was Alembic. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I got into the technical side through musical instruments. And did that lead you to uh, Jimi Hendrix and studios? And No, I, it, was, it was a bit later. I wound up in a rehearsal studio in New York called Baggies uh, with a guy named Night Bob, who you might know of. Night Bob is this legendary sound mixer. He's, he's still live sound mixer. He's one of the best. He works with Steely Dan. He works with Ace Freely. Uh, I met him. We were working on shows with Kiss when they first came out. And we were working at this rehearsal studio in Soho. Uh, it was on Grand in Worcester in, um, in Soho. Uh, one elevator. And uh, we had two rooms. And the guy who owned it, this guy, Tom Edmonston, him and his wife, Ronnie, uh, Tom was the East Coast representative for Sun Musical Instruments. S-U-N-N. -N. It came out of, uh, I think it was Oregon. And um, we had all their equipment. The whole studio was powered by sun equipment. And uh, we had PA systems. We had guitar amps. Um, so, and there was a tech shop there. And uh, that's where I got started being involved in live sound, moving gear around. You know, I was young. And uh, I could uh, I could move cabinets, <laughs> so <laughs> so I could do things. And if I wanted to learn, I can learn. And I would show up every day, and you know, half of it's showing up. 
You know, you just got to get there and show up and be on time. Yeah. How important is showing up, especially probably in that business at that time? (laughs) It's still that way, too. I mean, even even in my post at at Capitol, being the vice president of the studios, I mean, finding people who were worth training were were hard to find. You had to find people that would show up every day, had the willingness to learn. And whether or not they were worth investing your time in, it's human capital. You know, they have to be worth teaching. Yeah, right. And you, you were just had a passion for it. You just showed up and you were there every day and you wanted to learn. Um, I just think it's so incredible that you started your music career as a staff engineer at Jimi Hendrix Electric Lady Studios. You were there over nine years and worked with so many great artists, some that you've already mentioned, Chick Corea. Kiss, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, uh, Ike and Tina Turner, Hall and Oates, the list goes on. And then you were, you got to tell me how you're involved in Billy's Idol multi-platinum album, Rebel Yell. And a quick side story from seventh to eighth grade, maybe even through uh, freshman in, in high school. That was, and that album never left my, my Walkman. I had a walk. You remember those Walkmans? <laughs> and oh yeah. I would go to sleep with it and and fall asleep. Wake up, turn it back on. Um, probably didn't sleep very well, but I loved. I just would. I I had to sneak it under my pillow and I would listen to it. You know, when everybody went to bed, as long as I could stay awake. Uh, great album. And then I took. I I got leather and I made the little the wristbands that Billy Adams had <laughs> with the, uh, the punched out, you know, uh, spikes. I don't think I ever spiked my hair, uh, but I probably tried. Tell me, tell the listeners, I know how, but tell, tell the listeners about being involved in that and how you got involved with Billy Idol with that. That album just was, is still one of the best, I think. Billy was managed by a guy named Bill Coyne. And Bill Coyne was this genius who, who, the whole act together for Kiss. He had produced a TV show called Flipside. If you watch the Neil Bogart documentary, uh, the new movie that's out, he uh, he was essential. Him and a guy named Sean Delaney in building the image of Kiss. Um, so Billy had the same management, and I had worked on about five records with Kiss, uh, solo records. I worked. The, I think the first record I worked with Eddie Kramer on as a second engineer was Love Gun. And then I wound up working on Kiss Alive 2 and their solo albums uh, and various projects through uh, a coin management, including Toby Bow And uh, well, I don't know, he had, he had so many acts that he was running through. Genius guy. At any rate, um, Billy had been making the record for quite a while. They were writing it in the studio. And um, he went through a bunch of musicians. He had found Steve Stevens, this amazing guitar player, um, just genius. And uh, um, he had no drummer. So they were on hiatus in and out of the studio, in and out of the studio. They had been working with an engineer named Dave Whitman. Uh, and Dave and I are still dear friends, uh, brilliant engineer. And um, Dave got called to do a project with Patty Smythe with Scandal in Studio A and we worked with Mike Chapman at the time. And um, so I was leaving the studio one night and um, 
Electric Lady was a studio that was down subway level in New York. It's still that way. Uh, you, you go down like two flights of stairs and you're at subway level. And uh, I'm coming up the stairs one night and who walks in is Billy with Bill O'Coin. And Bill O'Coin says to me, he says, Michael, he says, listen, what are you doing right now? I said, um, I don't know, I'm going out to get dinner. He said, listen, you want to work with Billy? on his record he's he's working on this new record and and uh i want to know if you're available i said yeah why not yeah this would be great you know billy it was really receptive and boom there we are in the studio with keith forsey keith forsey had had great success with uh he had worked with billy on the first album he also uh coming off a flash dance with uh giorgio moroder and he had co-written What a Feeling with Giorgio, brilliant drummer um, and, and great producer. So, yeah, let's go. So we lock ourselves in a studio. They still don't have a drummer. And we start auditioning drummers. And uh, the drummer that was playing with Scandal is this guy named Tommy Price. And I had worked with Tommy on an album um, called, uh, let me see, I worked, it was with Ronnie Spector. Did a Ronnie Spector out, uh, album with uh, Genya Ravon, you know Genya Ravon mm-hmm. from Ten Wheel Drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah Genya was great, and uh, I had worked. With, it, the album's called, and um, so I had worked with Tommy on a bunch of different projects, and Tommy was just amazing drummer. Just like what a great pocket from Staten Island, just like attitude for days. <laughs> so. We had been cutting a lot of tracks with then the Lindrum because Keith was very, very good at programming the Lindrum and we'd lock it to the multitrack and we'd set up beats for Billy to write the songs to. And uh, we had already done some of the prep work, the pre-records. So I said to Tommy, uh, I said, Tommy, you know, are you interested in doing this? They said, they're looking for a drummer. And Tommy says to me, I love the way that guy, Steve Stevens, plays guitar. I said, great. <laughs> I said, but they're playing with a drum machine. I don't give a shit. Let me play in the drum machine. You know, I'll play with the drum machine. Well, it turns out that Tommy's pocket and the way he played with the drum machine was just phenomenal. I mean, he was, he was like a clock, but he played with a real soulful pocket and made those tracks really swing and made them rock. Mm-hmm. so all of a sudden we had a band we had a trio we cut it in this tiny room studio c up in electric lady which was an apartment at one time it was the apartment of jimmy's manager uh michael jeffries and um if you know the history about michael jeffries he he got killed in a plane collision over Majorca, spain mm-hmm. and uh so then the rest was history after that uh Electric Lady was involved in a, um, uh, and it was it was involved in some sort of a trust, and and there was a there was a, an attorney who administered the trust and, and ran the studio. So here we are, Michael Jeffrey's old apartment, built a new studio in there. Billy's in there in this tiny room, and we cut all these tracks. Um, I mean. The room was small, but intimate, and everybody played in the same room, and it was just an exciting time. It's an exciting album. It's an exciting 
time for me as well because I think that for me, I uh, sorry for me, I, it may have been the first real. I, I was young, you know, and I maybe the first real rock album that I'd ever experienced and. You remember that your first album, probably right, Michael? Where you just you, you, it just mesmerized you. You just couldn't believe that the way it made you feel, the way the music um, was interpreted, and and did did Billy Idol practice that punch at the studio while he sang? Billy <laughs> Billy was time. Billy was in full character. Billy was in full character when he sang. Yeah, Billy Billy, we had to have two mics for him. Uh, because he just needed to, you know, get his live act on. Uh, he was animated no matter where you, what you put on him. You know, he you can feel the energy in the album. You know that he had that. What you're describing, he he had. He was in character. He had. He put on the act. He he, he did it right. He lived it. What he was singing. Yeah, he did in the studio. I mean, he what you saw what you see on stage is what he did in the studio. I mean, he he would just get in front of that mic and just you know. Two people in the room, 10,000 people out there. He does the same act. You know, he was just himself. He doesn't know how to be anybody else. So, um, in fact, when he did, when he did the track Rebel Yell and he did that middle section, uh, you know, I Walk the Ward for You, Babe, yeah. all that. I mean, Keith Forsey and I looked at one another and, and the hair on our arms stood up. It was like, but Jim Morrison walked in the room somewhere and mm -hmm. Billy was just channeling Jim, not intentionally, but he just lit it up. And uh, Well, Michael, in fact, we opened the, the soundtrack today, just to remind the listener, um, my very special guest today on the show is Michael Frondelli and the soundtrack are albums, songs, um, artists, all whom you've worked with and or have produced. And we came in with that track. And it's funny you mentioned that spot because I come in with that spot in our intro <laughs> uh, right there and play it through. And uh, that might be one of my favorite parts of that song. And we're about to take a break right now real quickly. We're going to come right back with Michael Frondelli, music producer. Uh, Michael, I don't want to embarrass you, but when I, I think of music, people that are involved in the business, either an artist or behind the scenes to create the sound of the, of the artist that would help them create the sounds. Um, and and realize their their themselves realize their vision through the the music. You're behind the scenes there. You are helping this process and inspiring. And Michael Frondelli, music producer, mixer, engineer, uh, works in film and TV, and a consultant. And we're going to go to break right now, Michael, with um, Billy Idol. And this is one of also one of my favorite songs, "Catch My Fall." You want to tell us anything about that quickly before we go to break? Oh, Catch My Fall? Uh, well, be between Catch My Fall, Daytime Drama, Rebel Yell, uh, Blue Highway, they're like my top four uh, favorites on that record. Uh, so, I was so inspired. I, I almost wanted to do the whole soundtrack, Billy Idol's Rebel Yell, but I thought you, you have... You've worked on so many great albums. I had to spread it out a little. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Have fun with it. That's the whole point. Yeah. Uh, you're introducing new generations to Billy Idol. Uh, 
you know, it, it, now it's like that we made that record. What year was that? That would have been 1983, 84. Probably. Yeah. 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 yeah and that, and that, that's when my, my career absolutely took off um sorry about that um my career started to take off right after that and i started working with a manager and uh you know the floodgates opened up for me i was very very fortunate so it's those kind of it's kismet you know i mean there's a lot of serendipitous things that happen in life if you can find the synchronicity and um but i found out in life that you can only that can only happen for you if you give it away. Okay, so here we go. We're going to take you to break with Catch My Fall, Billy Idol, uh, off of Rebel Yell. Enjoy. And we're going to come back in with uh, the Eagles, Take It Easy, the 2018 remastered hit. We are with the great music icon. I don't know if I finished my sentence and I said I was going to embarrass you. You're a music icon, in my, in my opinion. And, uh, I'm so happy to have you on the show. We'll be right back. Michael Frondelli. Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on the Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Hey, this is Jeff Stunk Baxter. We all need to keep our veterans, men and women who serve, who are on the wall and who were on the wall in our hearts at all times. Sometimes they need help. There are a number of organizations that are dedicated to helping our veterans. Please open your heart and reach out to a veteran and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected and that you won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack telling you, asking you to watch the show Sprung on Freebie, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com.
Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. I am with the great music uh, icon. I'm going to give him that title, Michael Frondelli. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's okay with that, but he really is. He's been involved in some of uh, our favorite, favorite music artists and albums of all time. Uh, the list is very, very long. I'd like you to go to michaelfrondelli.com and check out his discography. It's it's too long to mention here, but it, I feel like we almost need to to do that. It's just so great. There's hit after hit. To, as Michael said before the break, at this point that you're catching up with us in the story, uh, Michael's career took off. Grew up in Queens, uh, moved to Los Angeles. And so uh, I've, I've titled this on my own notes here, Queens uh, to the City of Angels, Los Angeles. Michael, let's let's talk about Capitol Records and and your your great uh, incredible career there that you had and the team that you formed. Um, I've got a specific question regarding Capitol Records. How important are the people that support the music artists behind the scenes, such as yourself, in your opinion? Oh, it's essential to have uh, great people who understand the process and know how to service the artist in such a way where they can exceed their own expectations. Um, you know, getting out of the way is a big deal, but setting, setting the stage for the artist in a studio to be as comfortable as possible uh, so they can be as vulnerable as possible and do their best is completely uh, essential. Um, and the staff we built at Capitol Studios uh, were just, it, they exceeded all expectations anybody could ever have. Um, I got there in, in December of 1990. I had been in negotiation with them for about four months uh, during that summer of 1990. And um, I was approached because when I came to Los Angeles, uh, there's a music producer who, fabulous producer named Richie Zito, uh, who brought me in to Capitol to start working in the studios as an independent engineer. And this particular room with the console behind me was the first room I was in uh, at Capitol. So I got to know the staff really well. And Capital, Capital's history uh, in terms of the studios were, were pretty rich. I mean, these are the studios that were built for Nat King Cole. And um, they were designed um, by Les Paul and, um, oh God, Jack Edwards. Jack Edwards and Les Paul. And uh, in fact, Les told me, he says, you know, he says, he says, we built the studios and we forgot to put the damn echo in. So we had to dig up the parking lot and we built these chambers underneath the parking lot. So there's eight, eight live chambers underneath the parking lot. And um, he says, then we built the, uh, they built the tower and uh, they made the uh, hallways too small to push pianos through. Uh, <laughs> I got to know Les real well uh, over the years because uh, I love talking to him. It's like talking to Thomas Edison. and. Um, he, he was in his 80s at the time, and he had all these amazing ideas. He said, I have ideas to update the chambers and to do all this stuff. I said, Les, come out. You could do whatever you want. And um, he, we were doing box sets with him, with uh, one of our engineers, Bob Norberg. And 
you know, the thing about engineering is it's about apprenticeship. You got to have you got to have masters to work behind. When I came to Electric Lady, I want to work with Eddie Kramer because Eddie was a master producer engineer. I was like, that's who I wanted to work with. I wanted to learn from someone who knew how to work with artists, how to be an engineer, knew the technology, could get all the crazy sounds, flanging and, you know, tape echo and all those things back then that you had to create. There were no plugins and all this stuff like you have today. So, so when I got to Capitol, uh, I got hired because the staff wanted me. They had a previous manager and he, he was, uh, he left and they had known me and I had known the staff and I was a big staff supporter and a, and a supporter of the apprenticeship. And, uh, it's all about apprenticeship. People have got to learn from people who know. You can go to schools, you can do all that stuff, but until you get behind somebody and see how it's done, it's not what you know, it's what you do, it's what you know. It's how you apply all this information that you get. So I don't care what you know in Pro Tools and everything else. It's can you get a performance out of an, out of an artist? Can you make the artist happy with the sound that they're hearing in their head? Because uh, if they're not inspired by what you're, what you're giving them, they're not going to do their best and you can't control the situation because you know, the technology, you have to be able to be a translator to the artist and help them achieve what they hear in their heads because they not know, they may not know the technology or they may know something about it, but they want to learn from you. They want to know how, uh, how well you can make them sound and be competitive in the marketplace. So that's what we did. That's what I set out to do at Capital, and we achieved that. Um, I had five full-time technicians. I had 20 engineers that reported to me. Uh, and whenever something didn't work or something happened in a session, we'd sit down, we'd talk about it. I followed the Japanese principles. You don't look for the blame. You look for the solution. And that's mm -hmm. what we did. We would sit down and, and analyze it and say, how do we not do this again or what could we do better and paula salvatore who was the studio manager the best in the business um and for the most part what i had to do was go and get the money from corporate to build the studios to upgrade them uh to add the new technology and pay people a wage that was a living because it was a union studio so Fortunately, I could pay people a decent wage so they can have families and they can have a life uh, and, and pay to learn. So I was very selective about who we, we chose. And the model I used was, uh, was after Phil Ramone's studio in New York, A&R Studios. Mm -hmm. I revered Phil Ramone and, um, for what he did and set up at A&R. And you learn to be a mastering engineer. You could learn how to cut lacquers. You learn how to do all this stuff. And we still had all that there. Yeah, two lathes, two mastering rooms with lathes with a guy named Wally Troggett who cut records for um, Iron Maiden and, and Bob Seeger. And for me, we Crowded House. Uh, he cut Don't Dream It's Over for me. Um, Wally was just wonderful. And then Ron McMaster, Ron cut the entire Blue Note catalog. Uh, he went from learning from analog to lacquer to digital, uh, and he remained there until they closed. Uh, 
it'll july last year so yeah. so we we created some great engineers out of there uh steve janowick and bill smith um and all because of being able to attract people like the greatest of all time al schmidt al schmidt is the greatest of all time yeah yeah wow what are the names that you're listing the the albums the artists uh what a what a really it sounds like a really great time there and and what you created out of that out of the staff that you cultivated um and grew well michael i got to take a break here uh i'm with michael uh my 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 new friend michael frondelli he's a music producer and so much more i haven't even been able to touch on his biography i skipped to capital records but he's been in the film and tv mixing score uh, uh music and co-writing a tune for a film director john hughes he used to be one of my favorite directors favorite movies in the uh, revolutionary teen movie the breakfast club um there's you know the, the duets frank sinatra duets which led him to capital uh and and so much more we're actually running out of time this is not fair um but we will be right back after this quick break with michael frondelli um go to autismspeaks.org something that michael is involved in and uh cares deeply about he just finished uh at the greek theater this past week um the 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 uh, concert that we were hoping to talk about a little bit here uh light up the blues number six at the greek theater autism speaks uh is such a great organization their vision is a world in which all people on the spectrum can reach their full potential autism speaks is enhancing lives today and accelerating a spectrum of solutions for tomorrow dedicated to promoting solutions across the spectrum throughout the lifespan and for the needs of individuals with autism and their families and through the years they've worked tirelessly to provide crucial autism research advocacy services and support to help people with autism and those who support them thrive go to autismspeaks.org and to find out more about michael frondelli go to michaelfrondelli.com let me spell you his last name f-r-o-n-d-e-l-l-i and we'll be right back Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio, the Jeremiah Show, airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. CoreRadio.rocks. Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alex Hux from the band Everclear, and we're going to be on tour this summer. Hope to see you guys out there. Take care. 
with The Jeremiah Show. Hi, I'm Mike Frondelli, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Michael, welcome back. Tell us a little bit about the, the event here before you have to go. Uh, first of all, I want to express my deepest gratitude to Kristen and Steven Stilts for the opportunity to be the music director and co-producer of this event. Uh, I wouldn't be there without Chris Stilts, who was on the show, who was an amazing artist. Um, I, we had so many great acts in this show. Uh, starting with Amanda Anderson. She was an opera singer. She's one of the Spectrum artists. Will Bremen, one of the Santa Barbara's favorite sons. What a band. He's such an amazing artist. Uh, Soul Shaka, Rio Wilds. Uh, he's hip hop extraordinaire. Um, and then Steven Stills, Neil Young, Joe Walsh, Christopher Stills, Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real. Willie Nelson, Micah Nelson, um, everybody was just phenomenal in this show. Uh, I couldn't have done it without the extraordinary help of Promise of the Reels, uh, Corey McCormick and uh, Anthony Legerfo, who just, man, put this all together with me. Steve Postel, uh, guitar player, he's uh, from the immediate family who if you might know them with uh, Leland Scalar and Russ Kunkel and Danny Korchmar and Wadi Wachtel, uh, phenomenal guitar player who supported the show came in. Lilia Lees, Lara Johnston, and Erica Swindell, who were fabulous background singers. They worked with Don Henley, the Eagles, and uh, Joe Walsh. Um, uh, the rest of the guys in the band uh, for Promise of the Real. Uh, Tato, Melgar, all the phenomenal people who supported the show. People at Autism Speaks, Tracy McDonald, uh, Missy Hanover, uh, Katie Connolly, uh, you know, just phenomenal in putting the show together. But Kristen Stills is the hardest, heart and soul of all this. Uh, she did amazing work to put this all together and she's done it consistently. We keep, we keep exceeding our own expectations every show. To find out more about Michael Frondelli, go to michaelfrondelli.com. Let me spell you his last name, F-R-O-N-D-E-L-L-I. And we'll be right back. The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. It lingered there, so warm and fair, to walk with me. 
all summer long. We sang a song, and then we strolled on the golden sand. To amigos and the summer wind. Check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi, my name is Zara Knight, and I'm with Farm Jam Music Festival. I'm Greg Knight, and I'm with Farm Jam Music Festival as well. Real farm, real people, real music. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to The, the Jeremiah, Jeremiah Show. Show. Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of The Jeremiah Show. So listen. to the jeremiah show michael frondelli is my special guest this hour he has been involved in so many great albums so many great artists many of my favorites and i know they're yours as well check out michaelfrondelli.com and you can see his discography and michael uh, again we've run out of time uh, next year i hope to have you on before the show maybe we can we can promote it here up here in santa barbara uh not that you need any help but thank you michael it's been an honor and a privilege thank you for asking me i'm very grateful We'll be in touch, my friend. Communicate, but listen more and evolve. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, I'm Mike Frondelli, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Check out AutismSpeaks.org for Light Up the Blues 2023 with Neil Young, Stephen Stills, Joe Walsh, Willie Nelson, Lucas Nelson, Chris Stills, and Promise of the Real.
this is comedian Maz Jobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. My name's Danny Trejo. Jeremiah, your loved host. I love you.